This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. Los Angeles, California is one of the most famous cities in the world. From the Hollywood stars to the millions of tourists who pour into the city every year, it's no wonder why everyone seems to know about LA. Many are drawn to Los Angeles in search of fame, but others are interested in the dark and haunted history. From the Pico House to the infamous Cecil Hotel and the Entity House, many believe that there could be demons lurking in the City of Angels. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Twin sisters, Kelly and Bridget, snuck out of their hotel room where they were staying with their parents. It was three in the morning and they agreed that this was the best time to complete their quest with the lowest chance of being interrupted. Their goal was to play the infamous elevator game. The game was an internet craze with multiple people on various forums claiming that it worked and even more claiming it was a hoax. Either way, the sisters planned to get to the bottom of it The way the game works is you're supposed to enter the elevator and travel to a sequence of floors, the first floor being the final destination. If the game works, when you press 1, the elevator will instead send you to the 10th floor and you'll enter another dimension. If it didn't work, it would just descend to the first floor like normal. Bridget was convinced it would work, while Kelly was more skeptical. The sisters approached the elevator doors and looked at one another. Bridget pointed out that you're supposed to travel alone or it won't work. So the plan was that they would each take separate elevators and meet either on the 10th floor if it worked or in the lobby if it failed. Kelly feigned indifference, but she was actually pretty nervous. Before they stepped in the elevators, Bridget called out a cautionary reminder. Remember, if a woman gets on at the fifth floor, Don't acknowledge her. Kelly nodded, and they parted ways, each in their own elevator. Kelly had the sequence written down on her palm and began pressing the buttons, going to each floor in its sequential order. The hotel seemed empty, as with each floor, the doors would open to empty halls. She looked at her palm and saw that she was nearing the end of the sequence. Her index finger hovered above the button for the fifth floor. Her skepticism had been replaced with abject terror in anticipation of what might happen. Then, to remind herself that it was just a stupid internet game, she pressed the button. The elevator proceeded to the fifth floor, and Kelly squeezed her eyes as the door opened. After a few moments, the doors hissed shut again. She didn't hear or sense anyone enter the elevator, so she slowly opened one eye, followed by the other. She was alone in the elevator. Relieved, she pressed the first floor button. 
The elevator began its natural descent to the first floor, and Kelly breathed a sigh of relief as her skepticism proved to be completely warranted. If the game were to have worked, the elevator would have ascended to the tenth floor. The light above the doors illuminated the number one, indicating that she was on the first floor, and the door opened. She stepped onto the landing and waited for her sister. Minutes ticked by, and Kelly had an uneasy feeling. What if Bridget was taken to the tenth floor, and she wasn't? Just as this thought entered her head, the elevator door opened, and Bridget stepped out. Kelly briefly made eye contact with a woman standing behind her sister in the elevator and quickly averted her eyes. But the doors shut behind Bridget and the woman remained on. Kelly immediately looked at her sister and asked if the woman got on at the fifth floor. Confused, Bridget responded, What woman? I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Los Angeles, California. Sitting at 424 North Main Street in Los Angeles is the Pico House. It was built in 1869 and opened in 1870. It was a three-story hotel ordered by the last governor of Alta California under Mexican rule, Don Pio Pico. Pico was a successful businessman and wealthy rancher. The building was considered LA's first luxury hotel. Built on the southwest corner of the Los Angeles Plaza, The hotel boasted indoor plumbing, a fountain courtyard, and a French restaurant. Brothels, saloons, and gambling halls surrounded the building. The lavish hotel was a success, beating out its rival, the Bella Union. But the success would not last. Due to reckless spending habits and gambling, Pico went broke, and some theorize that he may have been cursed by the spirits that haunt the hotel. The Pico House was the location of the 1871 Chinese Massacre, one of the deadliest lynchings in U.S. history. When a white saloon owner was accidentally killed in a shootout between rival Chinese organizations, a mob was formed led by law enforcement and elected officials. They rounded up and killed 18 to 23 Chinese men and boys and burned Chinatown to the ground. Many of these attacks occurred right outside of the Pico House. Out of the 500 men in the mob, only eight people were convicted, with those convictions later being overturned on appeal. Laws at the time prohibited Chinese residents from testifying in court against white people. Vigilante violence was common in LA at the time, and virtually went unpunished in many cases, this one being the most bloody. An employee of the Pico House recalled the scene, quote, The street was a madhouse of frenzied, armed men and terrified, stampeding horses. From the entrance of the Pico House, I could see a mass of men flocking towards the Aliso Street opening of the alley and heard a steady roar of guns. I remember one fellow, big, hatless and coatless, with bulging, maniacal eyes as he ran past us, brandishing huge butcher's axes. As the neighborhood declined and Pico continued to blow through his fortune, he would eventually lose the hotel to foreclosure. The building turned into a flop house and was eventually obtained by the state of California in 1953. Today, 
the building still stands and is now a national historic landmark. With the rich and bloody history, the Pico House is widely regarded as one of the most haunted in the city. Security staff report hearing mysterious footsteps from the upper floors at all hours of the night and have even seen shadow figures leaning over balconies of the inner courtyard. Some believe that Don Pio Pico may still be entertaining guests in the afterlife. Others report hearing the cries of murder victims and have witnessed ghostly figures hanging from trees in the area. Hotel Cecil in downtown LA might be one of the most famous haunted buildings in the country. The hotel has seen no shortage of murders, suicides, serial killers, and disappearances. In 1924, William Banks Hanner invested $1 million into building the hotel, which featured stained glass windows, an opulent marble lobby, and alabaster statues. Unfortunately, his timing couldn't have been worse. With the Great Depression right around the corner, the hotel and its surrounding area quickly declined. The neighborhood is now known as Skid Row. The first suicide at the hotel occurred in 1927 when Percy Ormond Cook shot himself inside his room. Next, in 1931, the body of W.K. Norton was discovered lying next to a pile of poison capsules. Unfortunately, many deaths would follow including Grace Magro, who fell from the ninth story, her body being tangled in telephone wires. Police were unable to determine if it was an accident, a murder, or a suicide. In 1944, a woman gave birth in her hotel room only to throw the newborn out the window. Elizabeth Short, more commonly known as Black Dahlia, was allegedly spotted at the hotel just days before her murder, having a drink. In 1962, Pauline Otten jumped from the ninth floor, killing a man named George when her body landed on him. Goldie Osgood's murder still remains unsolved. Her gruesome death took place in her seventh floor hotel room, where she was robbed, strangled, raped, and stabbed to death. Richard Ramirez, aka the Night Stalker, terrorized California from April of 1984 to August of 1985, when he murdered anywhere from 13 to 38 people, ranging from ages 9 to 83. His killing spree spread from Orange County to San Francisco. When he was in Los Angeles, he stayed at the Hotel Cecil, even disposing of some evidence, including bloody clothing in a hotel dumpster. Working as a reporter, and for some reason a free man, Australian convicted murderer Jack Uderweger checked into the Hotel Cecil in 1991 to cover a story about street crime in the city. While he was in Los Angeles, three sex workers were attacked and murdered. Police quickly tied the journalist to the crimes as they mirrored his previous murder. Many believe that Jack selected the Cecil because of his connection to the Night Stalker. Jack killed himself in prison shortly after the second conviction, tying the same distinctive knot that he used on all of his victims. In 2011, the hotel would be renamed The Stay on Main, but couldn't seem to shake the terrifying reputation. It wouldn't be long before the most haunting death at the hotel would take place. In February of 2013, an employee discovered the body of Elisa Lamb floating naked in the water tank on the roof of the hotel. The case would ultimately be ruled an accidental drowning, but the bizarre elements surrounding the case sparked national interest. 
The night of her disappearance, security footage in the elevator captured several minutes of disturbing footage as Lamb ducked into the elevator, seemingly hiding from someone or something. She pressed herself tightly against the wall and occasionally peeked into the hall as if she was being pursued. She is seen frantically pressing the elevator buttons, but the elevator did not move, nor did the doors close. At one point, she stepped into the hall as if she was speaking to somebody, but nobody was there. Some believe it could have been a person, potentially her killer, out of frame. And some speculate that there could have been something more haunting driving her to her untimely death. Her cell phone was missing and never found. She also would have needed a hotel staff key to gain access to the roof. She had no drugs or alcohol in her system and showed no signs of trauma. The lid of the water tank was found closed, leaving many to wonder how she was able to slide the heavy metal object back into place once she was in the tank. Some speculate that she may have been playing the infamous elevator ritual game, which originated in Korea. Most believe she was having a mental health crisis, as she had a history of bipolar disorder. But the bizarre events leading up to her tragic death have left us all with more questions than answers. In room 412, which was Elisa's room at the time of her death, a former LAPD crime scene photographer claims that he was pinned against the wall by an unseen entity who was holding him there by his neck. Many believe that the building is cursed, and with its horrific and bloody history, it's almost hard to argue. The hotel seems to land on top of many people's list of most haunted hotels, but most sources are rather vague about the actual hauntings inside the hotel. The reputation alone attracts paranormal enthusiasts from far and wide. Some speculate that Richard Ramirez, a known devil worshipper, may have conjured something demonic while he was staying at the hotel. Others believe that these rituals took place on the very roof where Lamb died. Many report items moving throughout the night, and mysterious spectral figures that lurk in the shadows of the hotel corridors and rooms. Employees at the Stay on Main seem to be rather tight-lipped about the haunted history of the location, and they seem determined to rebrand it from its bloody past. Is there something lurking at the Hotel Cecil? Could one or several dark spirits be influencing visitors to take their own lives? Was something demonic conjured that could have been driving people insane? Or is it just a location where so many unlucky and tragic events occurred? Located in the LA suburb of Culver City sits a tiny, unassuming house with a dark reputation. The Entity House was occupied by a woman named Doris Bither and her four sons in the 1970s. Doris had a tough childhood, which resulted in some mental health issues and trauma. One night, she was awakened and assaulted by what she recalled were three spirits. Two of them held her down while the other one raped her. Doris was obviously shaken from this paranormal attack and had no idea what to do. While visiting a bookstore near the UCLA campus, she overheard a lecture taking place about paranormal activity led by Barry Taff and Kerry Gaynor. They both worked for the parapsychology lab at UCLA. Bither approached them after the lecture and informed them about her violent encounter at home. Taff and Gaynor set up an interview with her on August 22, 1974. Doris told Taff and Gaynor about the hauntings that had taken place in her home. This included lights flickering, spirits banging on the walls, and moving around the house. She was also experiencing sleep paralysis. 
Multiple witnesses, including Doris's family, came forward with their own tales of haunted happenings inside the home. They too claimed that they heard loud voices and banging on the walls. One witness claimed to see Bither thrown around the room like a rag doll. On another occasion, one of her sons tried to intervene during a spirit attack and ended up with a broken arm. The pair investigated the home initially and did note that the lights were flickering constantly. The children claimed that they could also see the ghosts inside the home, which appeared to them as gray mists. They even witnessed an attack on their mother as an entity dragged her across the floor. As they were interviewing one of the teenagers, they all witnessed the cabinet doors flying open on their own accord. Pots and pans were hitting the floor violently while nobody was near them. The investigators wasted no time in taking pictures of every room. The photos revealed orbs and strange lights. There were things showing up in the pictures that appeared to be some sort of white mist or fuzz. When they went back to take the pictures again, these photos came out clear with no obstructions. It seemed that whatever they had captured on camera had moved on to a different part of the house or disappeared altogether. For the next 10 weeks, the investigation continued with nearly 30 researchers and professional photographers. Doris would attempt to provoke and summon the spirits by yelling and cursing at them. Her strategy seemed to work as the lights would begin to flicker. Then, with several researchers and photographers in the house, a green light appeared in front of them all. The light moved and morphed until it took the shape of what appeared to be a torso of a man. Some of the researchers described it as someone who appeared to be massive and muscular, but most chillingly, the figure had no face. One of the cameras captured an image which appears to be a bright white orb, but this was the only picture of the manifestation. Other pictures showed strange lights and mist, including one that seemed to show a white glowing arc above Doris. The eerie photos taken during these investigations were the strongest evidence that they captured of the poltergeist. Eventually, after working multiple jobs, Doris was able to take her children and move out, but reported that whatever was in the home seemed to follow her, and the attacks continued until her death in 1995. With Dr. Barry Taft's parapsychological affirmation, the activity was given the name, The Entity. The controversial evidence was widely viewed as authentic and convincing, and word quickly spread. Her story was turned into a book, and later several documentaries and movies, including the 1982 film, The Entity. The home still stands to this day, and paranormal historians are still puzzled about what happened inside the Entity House, and if the extreme attacks were the work of a poltergeist or something far more evil. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Los Angeles, California. gentlemen welcome into hometown ghost stories episode number 110 we're covering the city of angels aka los angeles i'm jesse wilkins i'm joined by rob coakley hello rob i always enjoy when we do these lesser known towns that no one's ever heard of like los angeles california gotta keep it small 
Speaking of keeping it small, we're also joined by Dave. <laughs> Hello, Dave. <laughs> What's up? What's going on? Yeah, it started off with, uh, I was actually going to cover the Comedy Store, which is another haunted location in Los Angeles. And then I started doing research on these other ones. I came across the Entity House. Cecil Hotel is obviously a huge one. And then I kind of forgot about covering the Comedy Store. So eventually, we'll cover the Comedy Store. This is part one of what could be a five-part series on Los Angeles. There are so many haunted locations here. A lot of them we've heard about. A lot of them we've briefly touched on in a few episodes, especially side content when we covered um, Marilyn Monroe and a few others. But you you have so many haunted locations here. The Roosevelt Hotel was one of them. I decided to back burner the Roosevelt Hotel because we did cover that a little bit on the Marilyn Monroe episode. Excuse me. So we kind of held off on that for now. But three big locations, probably the most popular one would be the hotel cecil or the cecil hotel that one is uh is everyone knows about that one because of the elisa lamb story and what a crazy story that one is but without further ado los angeles has a lot to cover and we have a lot with these stories as well i think you actually undersold los angeles as a whole you said potentially a five part and i think you could probably do unlimited almost on could, Los Angeles. <laughs> we could probably just dedicate the podcast to just LA hauntings if we wanted to. There's so yeah. much there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll definitely be back. So if everyone's like, wow, you covered LA and you didn't even cover the Roosevelt or the comedy store or like any of the thousands of haunted places in this city, believe me, we'll get there. We really will. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into it. Cause like you said, the Cecil hotel is the one that, people know but the entity house mm. i can't i can't we'll hold off but i can't wait to talk about that one because holy shit yeah, yeah dave me, me and you were talking a little bit about it last night the movie the entity rub have you seen that movie no I, if i have it's been too long for me to remember yeah it's actually a decent movie i hadn't seen it and then i watched it uh yesterday or the day before just while researching this episode it seems that the movie did follow the story relatively well, like the timeline of events and the hauntings that took place. It was a pretty creepy movie. It was actually really, really, really well acted. I don't know if we'll eventually cover it on on a uh, horror movie review, but overall, it was it was actually a pretty well done movie. It was an 80s movie, so it was still pretty corny with the special effects, but that's what you kind of expect when it comes to that stuff. But hit us, oh, hit us with a star rating. I would give it a solid 4.4. 4. Ooh. Yeah, wow. it, was, it was a good horror movie. Maybe... I would have to think about it. Usually we discuss it and then I kind of form my, my score as we talk about it. Cause I kind of weigh the pros and cons of the movie, but on the, and that's, that's 4.4 out of five stars for those of you who don't listen or watch our movie reviews. Also shame on you. Also, we're going to show up at your house for not listening to our movie reviews. Dave's going to MMA fight you. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So you better start listening to those for sure. <laughs> well, we, we kicked off the episode talking about the Pico house. This one I had never heard of before. Chris from uh, Modern American history says I knew a creepy kid in high school who I called the entity. <laughs> that's a tough, that's a tough uh, way of owning someone is calling them an entity. <laughs> Strange thing to call someone. <laughs> Welcome in Chris. Also haunted American history. Make sure you guys go check that out. But the Pico house, this one is an older one. It was the site of the Chinese massacre. I had never heard of this scenario. It was an absolutely horrifying situation that went down. Um, 
you know, China, Chinatown got burnt to the ground. They killed between 18 to 23 people. I don't know how you don't have a solid number on that, but they, you know, those, those folks died. The mob was huge, just a horrific event in American history. And basically nobody got punished for it, which is the, you know, one of the more messed up aspects of it and just absolute chaos. But a lot of it took place right outside of the Pico house. So that's one of the many reasons that they think that the building could be haunted. Now I'm sure you had deaths inside the hotel. You have deaths at pretty much every hotel. You find one that's going to happen there. The, the hauntings can be pretty particular. A lot of them are kind of vague, kind of run of the mill hauntings. They hear footsteps, they hear noises that you shouldn't be hearing in rooms that are either empty or floors that are vacant. Yeah, they have all sorts of hauntings. One of the creepier ones is people see bodies hanging from the trees outside. So that's kind of a scary one. And while I was looking at pictures of this, I was like, I don't see any trees. So where is this? And then I saw one angle of it where you could actually see uh, a few. So I guess that's a haunting that could happen. But it also it also has that inner courtyard, Mm -hmm. which is always very cool, but a very different and spooky aesthetic to hauntings right exactly when you, have, when you have that yeah one of the hauntings that takes place in that courtyard is they see like shadow figures that kind of lean over the balconies mm-hmm. so i wonder what that what that originates from and may, maybe there could have been a death maybe somebody fell down it's not that high up from what i've seen but i mean you could you could certainly die if you land on your head there or whatever or you could have gotten killed and tossed over the balcony or they could just be looking over the balcony because it's some sort of res- residual yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maybe there was like a like a party going on within the courtyard and people are standing on all the balconies looking down and it's just part of the residual haunting for said parties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the building looks really cool. The architecture is really nice. The outside of the building is really cool. The historical aspect is there. It's uh, it's definitely a location that I would absolutely visit. That's kind of the, the Pico house there. Obviously, some tragic events happened there and plenty of reason for the place to be haunted even if it's not if, even if we're not just talking about the chinese massacre even if it's the other events that have happened at the hotel it's absolutely possible yeah i, I think that event in general i mean the the amount of negative energy between everything that happened that day like how could it not have some sort of effect not on just the hotel but the entire area as a whole right can you guys hear my dishwasher freaking out in the background? Do I need to go take yeah. care of that? Yeah. <laughs> Can you really? I can't. We loaded it. we loaded a dish that's a little too big and it's it's really have a hard time in there. So you guys talk much before <laughs> I go address my dishwasher. <laughs> you know what's wild is we talked about or we're gonna talk about the entity house. In the movie The Entity, the one negative I had about this movie, I mean there was a few, but one of the worst ones was while this thing was haunting or attacking, it would just be this absolute slamming just just boom 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 just repeatedly over and over again which sounded exactly like my dishwasher just sounded but it was it was really obnoxious in the movie and it lasted way too long it'd be like four minutes of just this constant slamming just sounded like a snare drum just over and over again but anyways the uh <laughs> it's been taken care of all right folks i don't, I don't I want to watch what i watched there Great job. that was the pico house i think let's hop into the the entity house. I do want to talk about that. I know I closed it out with that because that was kind of the biggest story. Mm-hmm. Or at least it was the most in-depth story. But I, I want to close out our conversation talking about the, the Hotel Cecil because I think that's the most famous one. So this case is a really controversial one, the entity house. Some of the details that I didn't really mention. I'm, Doris was like a known drunk and drug addict. 
and she had a very hard life. So a lot of folks that they kind of chalk it up to like, Dude, this is just, she's just an absolute maniac. Like she's out of her mind and she's dreaming this whole thing up. And the kids started witnessing this stuff, but a lot of people that were involved in the case, for example, the main one was her psychologist. So she started seeing somebody as soon as this haunting started happening. And he's like, yeah, this is all in your head. This is you dealing with childhood trauma and past things that have happened to you. You're not being attacked by a ghost. Like it's all, you know, what a doctor would probably say to most people in that scenario. And then the kids started seeing the ghost as well. But the kind of, the idea was like, no, this is just your kids supporting you and trying to tell you that you're not crazy. But the one driving factor was her son actually broke his arm trying to fend off a spirit while it was attacking her. Now, we don't know what actually happened inside the house there. We don't know if if Doris accidentally threw him to the ground or, or what could have happened during this attack that could have ended up with him getting a broken arm. But that's obviously a very serious injury. And if it was a ghost, then that is very alarming. That's obviously something very strong. Not to mention the assault that's happening on on Doris, if it's all true. So we talked we talked about a similar situation to this when we covered the Viacos haunting in Spain a couple of years ago, when you had the mother who was seeing ghosts and the kids were also seeing the ghosts. Because if you think about it, the kids are in an environment where if when your kids see ghosts, you're supposed to say no, no, don't worry, there's no such thing as ghosts to to you know alleviate the situation or kind of deescalate their fears. And if you, if you're a kid and you think you're seeing ghosts and your mom is feeding into it, like, yeah, we're just definitely ghosts everywhere. You're going to, the kids are going to see the ghosts if you're seeing it. Cause you're the, you're supposed to be the, as a parent, the person who's supposed to be the rock. Now, if she's actually seeing the ghosts, that's a different story. But if, if we're assuming that she is just crazy, like her psychiatrist, psych, woo, like her psychiatrist says, then it wouldn't be super far fetched that the kids would also uh, feed into that. Right. So on the surface, when I first started hearing this story and the movie actually did a good job of not letting you know whether she was just crazy or whether it was an actual haunting. And the book was the same. I read most of the book. I didn't finish it, but the book was very much in line with the movie. And they kind of presented it through like the first 75% of the book in the movie that it could just be Doris being crazy and they really weighed in on like the kids were like, yeah, mom, we see the ghost too, I guess, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it was, it was kind of that scenario for a long time, but then things started to change later on. And once the investigators got involved in the case, it reminded me a lot of the Enfield poltergeist case. Cause they were there for a full 10 weeks, multiple people there, multiple photographers. There were events leading up to kind of the climax of this whole situation that, they were getting little things here and there. The lights were flickering. There were noises that they couldn't explain. They had all, there, there was at least two of them that had witnessed poltergeist activity with the pots and pans being banged around in the kitchen when nobody was in there. So there were little things here and there that were like, okay, there's something going on here. It was just, it seemed like whenever everyone left the building, then there would be a serious sexual attack on Doris. And then she would later on have to deal with that. So you kind of got to approach it carefully and, and take it at face value it's a serious, serious haunting. What's the one that, so you have incubus and succubus, which one would we be dealing with here? I always get these two confused. Uh, incubus is male, succubus is female. Okay, so probably an incubus. They categorized it as a poltergeist, but it sounds like it could have either been an incubus or something demonic, potentially. Incubus and succubus are demons. 
So boom, you know, tied it all together. The other driving factor of why people thought it was a hoax was she was broke, very broke. She was on welfare and stuff, and uh, she was very much financially struggling. She didn't have a great relationship with her kids. The movie made it seem like everything was all cozy and warm in the in the house, but she didn't. It was clear once they inter- interviewed the kids. This was this came right out. They're like, okay, they don't get along with their mother. There's obviously some problems here. She had lost custody of I think her oldest daughter, who didn't live in the house at all. There was obviously a whole lot of shit going on in her life, and this wasn't making anything better. But the idea was, is she faking it to? get a book deal and get a movie deal, which she did end up getting. So those are the driving factors that you got to take into account here if you're looking at it with a skeptical lens. Now, here's where I changed because I did want to present all of those factors to where could it be faked? Up until this point, maybe. Maybe she's just crazy. Maybe she thinks she's seeing these things, but they aren't really there. Those are the things that you could deal with. But then when you have the situation where you have like 30 people in the house where you have, I don't know if they were all there at the same time, but there was many of investigators and photographers in this house at the same time. They all see this green light, like shoot out of the wall and then move around the room. And then it morphs. And some people described it as it looked like a torso of a man. Some people saw a head, but with no face. And they all saw this ball of light and they did try to take pictures of it. And the pictures are probably the best evidence that they got out of this whole scenario. The, Pictures that they took didn't really show what they were describing, but it wasn't a normal picture. A lot of these pictures were pretty weird. I included most of them in the video portion of this. So if you guys haven't, if these are audio listeners, make sure you guys check out the uh, video portion of this so you can see the photos that we've included here. And the photos were were interesting. A, a lot of them looked like just shitty camera work, right? If you, if you see them, it's like, it's just a complete blurred out picture. It just looks like a terrible photographer, but these are professionals. And the most compelling ones were... You had pictures where it looked like there was just a bad flash, right? Where it looked like the whole picture was basically white. But then when they would go back and take pictures of the room, when Doris said that the entity wasn't in there anymore, then all of a sudden the pictures came out clear and normal. But the best picture I think was that they have this picture of Doris. She's sitting on a bed or a couch and there's this weird arc of light, like almost like a rainbow over the top of her. And I guess at the time that they snapped that photo, she's like, it's right here. It's right in front of me. Take the picture, take the picture. They took the picture and that's what came out. I've never seen a, a, a photograph like this when it comes to looking at ghost photos or paranormal pictures. So th- I thought that was some pretty strong evidence of the case. Yeah, that one was weird. They they mentioned uh, orbs showing up in photos, but I don't know. I don't know if it's hard. I feel like it would be hard to attribute an orb to a a still photo like when they come up when they show up in videos you can kind of see them moving and if they're moving weird you might be able to say there's something uh unusual about that but i think it's it's, it's a little bit much to to attribute a photograph of an orb to being an actual paranormal orb which are already hard to distinguish right because mm-hmm. are we talking an orb that's a dust speck or an insect as we've talked about in the past trying to differentiate the different types of quote unquote orbs there could be is going to be a lot more difficult than a still frame in my exactly opinion. it's definitely easier when you have a video and you're able to look at the video and see the flight pattern of this orb that you're catching on camera how does it compare to the dust that you're capturing or the or the insects that you're capturing you never really know ulysses mentions that it could have just been a, a lens flare which is what a lot of these struck me as i'm like well that just looks like a bad picture you know it just looks like lens flare or whatever which you get a lot even even now with a lot of photographs it's always 
I mean, the photographs at the time weren't great anyways, but it's always the shittiest photographs when it comes to what we're you know, analyzing with these ghost photos. It's always like, look at this blurred picture of a window. And if you zoom in 300 X, you might see a face in the window. It's like, damn, could we ever get like a good photo to analyze? <laughs> at least they're supplying a, a photograph because half the time you people will be like, we got these photos like, cool, let's see. And they're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just we're not going to show you that these photos that we're telling you about just and, you know, and Lorraine Warren, <laughs> like just oh, yeah. maybe maybe we have them, but you're not going to see them. Yeah, they just keep it all secret. But the and it, same with the I think we covered it last week on the the side content with the um, ghosts in the news stuff, where this article gets published about this poltergeist inside of a restaurant that had thrown a jug of milk at someone. And instead of including the CCTV footage, they just include a picture of a jug of milk on the floor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Show us the video, dude. You have the video. <laughs> so I don't know if video was available at the time of this investigation, but, or if they had that on deck, I don't know what UCLA was, was um, supplying them with. So this was kind of cool. Cause at the time you had a, a major U S college campus that had a parapsychology class. And that's where a lot of these folks came from. Actually, I think all of them came from this class. So it was basically, the the teachers and and they brought the class out they're like all right we got a ghost case let's let's check it out so regardless of if it's real or fake the the green mist with a torso appearing mm -hmm. is a terrifying image to just create in your own mind it really is but especially when everyone is that's where we get to the point where jesse was bringing up like this is what everyone saw Right. Like this is the thing that everyone saw. It's like, well, if this is the thing that everyone saw, then I'm going to put a little more credence into it being real than fake. So, yeah, it definitely helps to have uh, multiple people witnessing the same thing. And now, as far as mist goes, it's not that unusual to see shapes in mist. People do it with clouds all the time. Like that cloud looks like a duck or something. But uh, if we don't know what the source of the mist is from, that's that's where it gets kind of weird. Especially if it's showing up in your house. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's not like in a field. Yeah. It's green mist in a house. Yeah. It's like a cartoon fart. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> Jesse, is there a green mist coming from your dishwasher? I don't know. I pressed every button. So there probably will be soon. I probably overheat. I don't know. I'm just trying to get this to stop fucking singing to me. It won't stop singing. Do you, do you remember when we had an apartment and you decided to put regular dishwasher? Oh, no. Stuff in the, in the thing. And no, you mean like dish soap, like yeah, Dawn dish soap. dish soap. Yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. You don't remember that? There's no shot I'm that dumb. Well. <laughs> You're so dumb you forgot. <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> and D yelled to us and we came out into the kitchen area and there was just soap all over this, the place. This, this wasn't me. This never happened. You're lying. This, this was you. This was definitely not me. I would never put dishwashing detergent. You stuff this. This is absolute slander. <laughs> this was definitely you and not me. It's political season. Rob's just trying to trying to conjure up some sort of <laughs> negative political ad about me. So it's, it's I'll never forget. I'll never forget all the soap that you put all over the floor. Oh, now your wife's trying to say it was me. It was not me. It was you, Jesse. Are you really trying to? Okay, this is what happened. This is what happened, isn't it? It really was. I can tell by your reaction. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Rob, you're a moron. <laughs> You son of a bitch. I'm sitting there, I'm like, I would never do such a thing. I mean, <laughs> but you would. Wow. You really tried to turn that around on me. This is such a raw move. We should have seen it coming. <laughs> we should have known right away. <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. Where were we? Yeah. So that that's pretty much it with that case. It, it's a controversial one. I lean on the side of at least some of this haunting being real. And the reason is because I will, yeah, it will be getting a stamp from me because of all of the witnesses spotting this thing at the same time. And I know these groups at the time were like a really mixed bag of skeptics and believers. And I'm pretty sure the vast majority were skeptics that were there to prove that this was bullshit. That was the case in, uh, in the UK with the uh, Enfield poltergeist. A lot of the experts that they brought in were absolutely non-believers and they were there to prove that nothing was going on and this was a hoax and they were unable to do so. And I think it was the same situation here. So when you had a bunch of witnesses that saw the same thing or some variation of the same thing that cannot be explained through a, you know, through some sort of crappy photograph or something like that, but what they, when they all saw it with their own eyes, that's, that's when I'm like, okay, maybe this case is legitimate and maybe she wasn't just crazy which makes it an absolutely terrifying haunting, which is why we, we had to cover it here. But yeah, it gets my stamp of haunted approval. Lock it in, baby. People always tend to write off the people who are drug addicts or drunks or just on any sort of substance as they're just seeing things. But I mean, if ghosts exist, they exist for those people too. So it's not fair to completely just discount it based solely on that. Well, it's it's the skeptics using like Occam's razor, right? Right. Just what is the most, what is the easiest way for me to explain this, even though I don't have to actually put any more thought into it. Sometimes a ghost is the easiest explanation, <laughs> right? Like look at the, uh, look at that Connecticut. What was it? Brookfield there where uh, they, the TV kept flying off the shelf and, and stuff. Like what's the easiest explanation for that? The easiest one is a ghost push the TV off because there's no other way or the refrigerator lifted off the ground. There's literally no easier explanation than a poltergeist, right. whether you believe it or not. But but the other thing is like they'll once people determine that, they'll put nothing else into it. It's like, oh, well, she she drank. So obviously this is what it was. And then they won't look further into it at all. That is all it could have been. There's no they won't want to put in the effort to see if it was something else. It's just they look for this one thing that they quote unquote debunk with, and then that's it. They're all yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily debunking, but definitely discrediting, mm-hmm. where they immediately look for that. Because like I said, most of the people going into this scenario, especially your psychiatrist psychiatrist or doctor, is immediately going to try to discredit what you might be experiencing in the house if it is a haunting. So I think it's possible. Like I said, it's it's one where you got to really take a look at all of the angles here. What is the motive? The motive would have been probably monetary to land that book deal, land that movie deal, get herself out of the, the terrible situation that she was in. But then on the other side, it's like, why not? Why not capitalize, especially if you're suffering like she was suffering? If, if all of the facts of this case are true, it's it's unbelievable. So, But we need to talk about the Cecil Hotel because before you jump into it, Jesse, I'm flabbergasted that I would have made the Cecil hotel its own episode. So kudos to you for being able to get two other things in around the Cecil hotel as well. But there's just yeah, so much to talk about here. There is, and it's mostly not ghost related. So I don't know if you could do a whole, that's episode. a good point. That was the big thing was I'm sitting here and I'm doing a ton of research on hauntings at the Cecil hotel. And you get, every time you come across one of these articles or newspaper clippings, you get a new list of people who died here. I didn't even scratch the surface on how many people have jumped to their death or committed suicide in their room or got murdered there 
or whatever. There are so many. It's, it's, it's insane. So whatever is going on here, it has become a center for crazy deaths. It, it's, it's nuts. And then you have not even just suicides and murders. You have, you have serial killers, multiple serial killers that have passed through here. You have the potential link with the Black Dahlia. That one is kind of unconfirmed, and that's a little bit of a one that people say people are just sprinkling in there. There's no need to if it's not true, but because you have so much other shit going on at this hotel. But when you go through these lists, top 10 most haunted hotels in the country, you're probably the Cecil's probably going to be on that list. And it's like, okay, well, where are the hauntings? Where are the ghost sightings? The new staff at, at the hotel, I, I don't know what it is now, but it, they had changed it to the stay on Main. I don't know if that's still in business. Everything I've seen recently on this hotel, it looks like it's a bit of a dump now. So I don't know if it's still open. <laughs> Another one that I didn't really look into to see if it's open. It, it is. It's, they, they changed the name. They completely rebranded it. And it's is it no longer now. the stay on Main? I thought we were talking about, you asked if it was still open. Yes. The so I know, that, I know they rebranded it as the oh, stay on oh, Main. Oh. I, anyways, either way. Let's, let's let's look into it right now before we get a one star review over this. Let's do that. Yeah, it's Lacey says it was always a dump. It was they built it for a million dollars, which is kind of funny because that's a ridiculously small amount of money nowadays. Nowadays, <laughs> but, it would have been worth. Um, yeah, it's open. You can you can book a room right now. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I mean, it has a six point six rating out of ten. Not bad. I mean, the this place is so cool looking. And it's been the inspiration for a whole lot of things. You had a season of American Horror Story that was based out of this. All right, all right. It's it's six out of ten. But when they rebranded it a few years ago, they they got to get rid of all of the old negative reviews. Ah, so gotcha. To be yeah, fair. this place was doomed from the beginning. I mean, it was they put a lot of work into it. The lobby looked really nice. The rooms were probably really nice for for what they were at the time. But boom, Great Depression hit, and that which just wasn't great for it. And the area turned into Skid Row. It turned into this, this kind of dumpy area. Maybe it's on the come up. I mean, I've, I've been following this guy who he lives right across from it. And he's basically like always just live streaming the front of the hotel. I include some of the video in the uh, video portion of this. And I don't know, maybe, maybe the neighborhood's turning around. But Maybe, but I can understand why the guy who owns real estate across the street would want people to believe <laughs> that it's turning around. All right, guys, it is not open anymore. I'm going to tell you that right now. It is used as a unhousing, as for housing for the uh, homeless at the moment, according to the Los Angeles Times. That's pretty much what it was throughout the Great Depression. They Once this place opened, they had to essentially lower their prices to the floor just because nobody was booking rooms. And when you have you know $8 a night rooms, then you're going to get you're going to essentially turn the place into a homeless shelter. That's why there were so many deaths in those earlier years. It's because people were going in there and just overdosing and dying because it, it, the prices were so cheap that that's where all the homeless people would go to live. Okay. I don't know what this website is, but I'm able to book a room for <laughs> Anyways. Don't. <laughs> I'll believe you. I'll believe you. I'm not going to do it, but I have prices and everything. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to book it. Don't Hometown Ghost Stories money. Don't you dare. No, don't you do it with ours. <laughs> Use your own money, you piece of shit. <laughs> All right, fine. It, according to this website, it really looks like it's like, like it's active. Um, back to where, where we were before we went off on this tangent trying to book a hotel that might not be a hotel anymore. <laughs> a lot of these websites, they don't have a lot of information about hauntings at this 
top 10 most haunted hotel. But as I did some digging, you have various ghost sightings. You have um, a few places that have gone in there and done investigations. Some of the stuff that they caught in these investigations were actually pretty cool. And I'm not just talking about ghost adventures, but there was also some YouTubers that have gone in there. And there was this really chilling footage that I ended up debunking on my own. I'm sure other people have as well. But this guy that I was talking about who lives across the street, he's filming and there's this woman in the window. It looks like she's about to leap and they actually called 911. The fire department came. But the the way that she looked, she didn't look like a real person. It was a really eerie footage and it kind of blew up. It became, it, it became a news story and everything and it got covered. But it turns out as I was watching the Ghost Adventures episode I, I, in the opening, it was B-real footage being shot by Ghost Adventures. And you could hear her say in his video, she's like, we're filming but there was no film crew downstairs. So that was pretty confusing for this guy who was just kind of capturing the moment on camera. But that one was debunked because it was literally the same girl in the Ghost Adventures clip, which is probably why she was dressed to look like Elisa Lamb. So that was um, that was debunked. But there's a bunch of other eerie footage and the Ghost Adventures episode was was pretty serious. There was uh, some of the better footage was Zach had caught a faucet turning on, which if legitimate was actually pretty crazy. So cool. I what the one thing that stu- stood out to me when you were going over a lot of the stuff here, you brought up Richard Ramirez and how people were like talking about maybe he summoned something demonic there. And I want to say that's kind of bullshit because okay, let's explain everything for the 40 to 60 years before he was even there. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there was demonic activity happening way before Richard Ramirez was there, so why would it have been him who summoned something? Maybe, but was it demonic before he was there? Or I mean, Seems this it. is maybe. I mean, people are committing suicide here at an alarming rate. That's for sure, right? People are jumping to their death all over the place. It seems like this is definitely a center for dark activity. You kind of put it in line with like the suicide force in Japan. Like, why is everyone just going there to kill themselves? It's crazy. Well, a, lot it's of, a lot of the suicides that happened here happened during the Great Depression, where the suicide rate was way up anyways. Not really. I mean, it, it really, happened. Not really. But, yes, it was. No, no, I'm not saying this. No, I'm saying not a lot of the deaths happened. Sure, some of them happened then, but they never slowed down. Like there, there was deaths within that era, and then there was 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, up until the 2013 or whatever year the Elisa Lamb case was. So it didn't really slow down. Maybe maybe it was higher then, but all I know is like the end of the Great Depression did not did not by any means mark the end of suicides happening at this location. I didn't so, say it did. I said you can attribute a lot of them that happened during the Great maybe. Depression. Yeah, I'm not saying that every suicide or any of the suicides were something that could have been demonic, but obviously there's something dark here. And then the Richard Ramirez thing isn't necessarily a crock of shit. I mean, he was a known devil worshiper. There's court uh, photos of him with the pentagram on the palm of his hand, everything like that. So it's not a far reach to say that he could have done some sort of some sort of ritual to summon something evil now i think the people that are saying that it happened on the roof where they're like oh he went onto the roof and did his dark magic rituals to summon demons i'm just like uh that just seems like you're adding that because something tragic happened on the roof after the fact so right i don't really know if there's any evidence to support that maybe that's some sort of information that psychics are giving when they visit the property but i don't think there's any solid evidence to support that he was doing any kind of rituals on the roof no, and to Rob's point, he might—he probably didn't start anything demonic there, but he could have exacerbated it by performing these ritual rituals if there was something evil there to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that just his presence was there. Like, I don't think he killed anybody at the hotel. He definitely 
killed people while he was staying at the hotel. That doesn't necessarily mean it happened in there, but he actually disposed of evidence inside the hotel dumpster. I guess he threw some bloody clothes from one of his kills there. So there's definitely just so much negative stuff tied to this location. And then you had a second serial killer. That's so bizarre like, to have two serial wild. killers yeah. in the same so, building. A lot of people think that this guy, Jack Uderweger, or whatever his last name is, apparently he... A lot of people think that he stayed at that hotel literally just because of the tie to Richard Ramirez. And um, yeah, he was, I don't know why he was free. Apparently he served like 15 years in Australia for a murder that he was convicted of. And he comes to America as a journalist. And I don't know who, like who hires a convicted murderer to be a journalist. It's wild to me. Like everything about this case, like why is he out of jail? Why is he allowed in the United States? Why is he getting hired as a journalist? Like, oh, let's bring on our resident co- murder correspondent, an actual murderer. Like it's, it's fucking insane to me. But anyways, he's working as a journalist. He goes in there. He's like, I'm going to cover crime in the street of LA. Who better to do it than a conver- uh, convicted criminal? And he just, you know, these three sex workers disappear and they get found murdered in the same exact fashion that he murdered his other victim back in Australia. Police are immediately like, oh, it's probably the murderer that murders people like this, who's for some reason free. And they arrest him on it. And he ends up killing himself in jail, used the same knot that he tied on all his victims while he's in jail. But a lot of people think that he literally only chose the Hotel Cecil because of the ties to Richard Ramirez. Do you think he came over and he was like, I got to find some crime in L.A. It's going to be so difficult. This city is, never has anything going on. I'm going to have to create it on my own. Yeah, it goes out there for five <laughs> minutes. Like, nope, didn't see anything. Better do it myself. You didn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a wild story. It's one of those that kind of just pissed me off. Like, why the hell is this guy free? Like, you kill someone in the fashion that he killed them, which I believe is some sort of strangulation since they tied the knot the same way. And I can go to jail forever. Yeah. Death penalty. 15 years. I, Come on. Yeah. And why would another country, no matter where you're going, where you're coming from, why they'd be like, yeah, bring them on in. Yeah. You're yeah. a journalist. I, I don't get that. I don't get that. But anyways, uh, yeah, it just doesn't stop at the Cecil hotel, man. The list is so long. It's so terrifying. And the hauntings, like I said, like it's a little bit vague on a lot of these sites, but if you do digging, you will find hauntings. And a lot of the hauntings are pretty scary. You get stuff moving around. You get shadow figures being spotted. You have a ton of images of figures and windows. It's just so tricky when it's a hotel because it's like, okay, maybe you're just, maybe that's a person in their hotel room, right? You have a few of them that they're like, oh, this light keeps flashing in this room. Maybe it's someone on their cell phone sitting on a chair near the window. And it's tough to, it's tough to tell, but you do get some really eerie footage out of here. Really scary pictures. You get all sorts of unexplained activity. Like I said, you get voices, you get noises that shouldn't be heard, and just a lot of things that happen inside here. And like I said, it was the inspiration for a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. I think the movie 1408 was inspired by, or the inspiration came from the Cecil Hotel. You got a whole season American horror story, which was pretty awful. I don't know if you guys tried to watch that. Every right. season of American yeah. Horror Story is awful. So, such a disappointment. Such a, such a letdown every single time. They yeah. try to do too much. They just always try to pack in too many things. Yep, they do. Um, we got to talk about Elisa Lamb, though. Like, do we think that there was a haunting? I, I know there was mental health issues with this, with the bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. But, dude, she's like, if it's mental health she's really looking at something she is hiding from something in that it is a 
it's terrifying footage, whatever it is. It is single-handedly the the eeriest footage I have ever seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If she didn't die right after that, it would be like, wow, that's a crazy lady in the elevator. But the fact that she somehow got to the roof. Now, Ulysses said in chat earlier, he said that you can just go up and access the roof now. I, I, I don't know. From, from what I've seen, I watched the Netflix documentary. It seems that the only way to access the roof without a hotel key would have been you'd have to go outside and climb up the fire escape or something. But maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong about that. Maybe things have changed. Maybe when they rebranded the hotel, maybe it changed since then. But I don't know if the roof is that easy to access. I was just going off. Multiple sources said you need an actual security key to get up to the roof. So, Which makes sense in most cases, right? Yeah. Right. So, you don't want people on your roof. It's a prime yeah. example right. as to why. You don't want a hotel but, that has windows so, that open either. It looks like a lot of these windows still open this in this hotel. You would think after the first person jumped to their death, they'd be like, wow, we shouldn't let these windows open anymore. But No, I don't think – I think – well, unless it's grandfathered, and I think most cities have codes where if you have a building over a certain height, the windows have to be reinforced one way or another. But the I, so they pretty much, this is, is this still unsolved or they said it's an accidental death? They like an official ruling. They ended up ruling it as an accidental death. So they had changed it briefly to a suicide and they moved it back to accidental death. Whether it's suicide or accidental death, how did she get into the tank and latch the cover? Like, did they ever figure that out? I don't think it was latched. If it was latched, it it must've latched automatically when you closed it. But the bigger mystery is how the hell did she get up there and, and close the lid? Because apparently it's a heavy metal lid and maybe you she would have had to s- swim back up there. When I watched the documentary on this case, I immediately was like, this is murder. Her cell phone was missing, never found. She had no drugs, no alcohol in her system. She was bipolar and it looked like she hadn't been taking her meds. Apparently her medication in her room looks like it hadn't been touched. So I don't know, maybe she just refilled her prescription. Maybe she was off her meds. The elevator footage kind of looked like she was off her meds, but I don't, I'm not an expert on these things. I'm just a nuclear physicist. So when it, there's so many eerie things surrounding this case, how did she get to the roof? Why did she get to the roof? Why did she climb in a water tank? How did she know it was a water tank? How did she know how to open the water tank? The, how did she get up there? There was apparently a ladder, just so many things. I don't know what happened here. And then she was found naked inside the thing, but they think maybe she took off her clothes because her clothes started weighing herself down. It's just all of this stuff sounds like murder to me. It sounds like murder to me. That's what I think. Yeah. Have you guys, are you guys familiar with the uh, Elisa Lamb tuberculosis theory? No. No. Okay. This is bonkers and I don't subscribe to this story, but it's interesting. So I'm going to share it. So this theory links lamb to the tuberculosis outbreak in Los Angeles that popped up in 2013, right around the time of her death is basically this, this theory came up on Reddit and the online Redditors suggest that she was a test subject for a new type of tuberculosis medication who was experiencing adverse side effects. Others assume that she could have been a human biological weapon sent to LA to spread the disease to kill off the rampant homeless population. And the reason that they tie this to her is because there is a tuberculosis test called Lam Elisa, spelled exactly the same way. <laughs> and it's it's basically, it's an abbreviation for, can't read that word. I'm going to try it though, because it's a long science word. Lip- you did Lipor- good, you got so far into it. <laughs> Lip- Lip- Lipora Banana Man. <laughs> I think you nailed it. Yeah. Lipora <laughs> Banana Man. Lipora Banana Man? <laughs> Lip, L-I-P-O-R-A, 
Nope. <laughs> P-O-A-R-A-B-I-N-O-M-A-N-N-A-N. And then it's enzyme- Lepore Banana Man. You're right. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it Lepore spells. Banana Man. Uh, and then enzyme linked immunoabsorbent assay, which is E-L-I-S-A. So anyways, the test is called Lamelisa, and the, they think it, the theory is that they, the government sent her in as a biological weapon to wipe out the homeless population. Yeah. And, and they're using, they're like, you know, we can name her. We'll just well, name the thing. Right. Well, they, they, <laughs> so stupid. Like it, like for a little while it's fun, but then you think about it. Like if they wanted to poison the water, why wouldn't they just go poison the water? Like, Oh, let's put it in this poor girl. And then she'll climb in the water tank. Why don't you just pour it in the water tank? You don't have to dump it in a human body inside the water tank. I don't know. That's that's just the most Reddit thing I've ever heard. But the, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it is kind of gross. And I think um, uh, Paranormal Portal brought it up earlier. Brent, he says, imagine that the only reason she was discovered was because of the complaints of the drinking water. Oh, my God. Yeah, I heard uh, reports that Ugh. the water in the hotel had like turned black because her body had been up there. When they found her, it was like a full two weeks after her checkout date. So they think that's probably how long she was in there for. They probably have an actual date on it. So Catherine says... The roof door was locked and could only be opened with a key. She physically could not have jumped into the water and then closed the lid. She would have had to close it herself as she jumped. One other person, I think it was Velcro that maybe brought up that maybe the the door to the tank wasn't fully closed and maybe it closed right behind her when she hopped in. But at the same time, uh, Catherine verifies the idea that you would have had a key or needed a key to get up to it. So We haven't even talked gross. about if she was hiding from something paranormal, right? Which is also a theory, which <laughs> it's again, no matter what it is, it is some of the most chilling evidence or chilling footage. Cause it's not really evidence of anything that happened other than what she was experiencing. But God, is that terrifying? Right. Whether it's paranormal or a person or whatever, it's yeah. just whatever was going on in her. Yeah, it does. Whatever was going on in her head, she saw something. Whether it was her actual murderer, which could have been out of frame, or if she if she's off her meds, who knows? She could be seeing some sort of demon, or she could have been an actual haunting. I don't know. But it's such a tragic case. It's a recent case. I'd, I hate to be like, yeah, there's probably a ghost chasing around the hotel, but we don't know. We don't know what that was, and it's just so chilling and she's clearly having a conversation with somebody she steps out of the elevator her hands are doing crazy things she's hiding in the corner and why the hell didn't the elevator doors close i understand she pressed a lot of buttons but you can watch the full security footage i did today it's the elevator doors just sat there open for way longer than they should have and then she started pressing the buttons like what the hell like something is coming down this hallway or someone that's putting her in danger is coming down this hallway and she could not get that elevator to budge now, a few how many of the videos. Times, how many times have we heard situations of paranormal entities messing with electrical equipment? 100%. Right. Yeah. So right. it is a it's a case where we have way more questions than answers. And well, we'll never... uh, not even just about Elisa Lamb, about the whole hotel. I just want to reiterate that we have stuff that happened in this hotel, it feels almost every decade. Almost, I mean, probably every single decade. Mm-hmm. There is some sort of evil happening, dark happening, paranormal happening, just consistently. Like, I don't know if we've ever seen a place as consistent as this. We see bursts of activity at places, and we'll see pl- places that are 
quote unquote consistent, but like this is consistent negative energy to another level that we just don't usually see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, something is driving people to kill themselves here. You have multiple serial killers, multiple mysterious deaths. You even have like, even if the Black Dahlia thing is true, it's just another weird wrinkle in the story. Like why she passed through there and then gets brutally murdered. It's just such a, like a evil location. If you believe that any place is evil, this place has to be at the top of your list. Even if like the, the, the thing that drove me a little crazy again, was that the, the list of hauntings at this place was, was short. But the list of questions you have on why these things are happening is very long. So right. there's no shortage of things that have happened at this location. And it's uh, it absolutely makes the list. So it, it does make the list. It would have been on the list if you let me book the hotel. That might not be a hotel. <laughs> I have prices. So <laughs> anyways, uh, let us know what you guys think. Leave it in the YouTube comments. Tell us, have you stayed? at the stay on main or the hotel Cecil or Cecil hotel. Well, thank you guys for sticking with us. There will be a part two, maybe part three, potentially many more parts on LA and the other haunted locations that are here. It's such a wide variety of hauntings in this city. So we'll definitely be back. All right. While you get some Patreon names pulled up, I'm going to read a five-star review real quick. And this one is from Joe B titled excellent show. Two brothers taking a man without a family and talk ghosts. Been <laughs> listening for a while now, slowly catching up to the current episodes. And the show is always interesting and fun. Haven't heard an episode that lacks enthusiasm, which you often find on podcasts with this many episodes. Looking forward to new content. Keep it up. And that was our five-star review on Apple Podcast. I also have a few other reviews that I would like to read right now. And the first one is from Amanda who visited the website hometownghoststories.com and left this. Hey guys, absolutely love hometown ghost stories. I found it on iHeartRadio. I've complete I'm completely not tech savvy, but I will try to figure out how to leave a five-star review. Anywho, the reason for this message is that I am watching the gate and prep for the next movie review. I am super curious to know the reasoning behind this choice. Cry laugh emoji. I don't want to know anymore, Dave, because I haven't watched it yet. So I uh, getting a little, a little scared to watch this movie now. Uh, you, you should be scared. It's absolutely terrifying. The reason that I, that we chose this movie is because it is the movie that scared the hell out of me when I was a kid, and probably a horror movie that I watched when I was way too young and probably scarred me, but also kicked off my obsession with the horror movie genre. Yeah. Well, Rob was scared by killer clowns from outer space, which I watched for the first time last week. So reasonable, reasonable as things can scare people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh -huh. uh, for multiple people asking in chat, probably sarcastically. Yes, we have a website, hometownghoststories.com. You can order merch there and you can sign up to an email thing that is super useful. So check that out. Definitely swing by, get yourself a cool shirt or hat or hoodie or yeah, whatever. Get some new merch. Get gray. Yeah. I haven't even gotten any of it yet. So I also have one more email that I want to read that got lost um, in our email at one point because Dave doesn't know how to file things properly. And it was from Kimberly. And she said, this is about a movie review. She said, guys, I listened to your review of The Conjuring and decided to watch it again. The scary scene is during the setup of the investigation 
equipment when the guy comes out of the bathroom just as the toilet flushes. You know he couldn't have washed his hands that fast. It was horrific and disgusting. <laughs> My husband gasps and eats like a little girl throughout the whole movie. Thanks, guys. Love your show. And I found this because she had wrote us again. I was supposed to read that so long ago, and I never did. So I wanted to apologize to Kimberly. And uh, hopefully that impresses your grandson. So there we go. Two hours later. Velcro is a great idea. Of let's make a hometown ghost story shot glasses. Hell oh, yeah. That's a good idea. We should so I, I will present this real quick for you guys. I made this. I'm just going to show you my entire desktop screen. Uh, I made this little logo for a pirate guy. Love it. Oh, that would yeah. be great on a shot glass. We should do location-based shot, glass. shot glasses. Hometown ghost stories on one side, haunted location on the other side. Mm, let's look into it. That's a great idea, Velcro. You get the first shot glass on the house, Velcro. All right? Sounds good. And I will go ahead and book a hotel room that doesn't exist, and we'll just waste money everywhere. That's what we're doing here. Let's thank our patrons real quick for the VIPs. We have Dave D, Kate and Steve M, Blazora. We have Glitter Tees, Cammy from Washington, Jennifer P, Dakota G, Nick, Donnie N, Inspires Gaming, Allison V, who this episode is dedicated to. We love you, Allison. We also have Robert H, Anna C, Jort Wearing, Cola Sipping, Evangelizing Alien, Mallory K, Demon King, Mom and Pops W, and Lisa J. Thank you so much for being VIPs. If you are a VIP, you could have an episode dedicated to you. Next up, we have the Warrens Wards. Nefarious Chad Poles, Wahini Pirate, I Hate Rob, Eugene M, Arcade Hunters, Siobhan Not Sharon, Kath Q, Liz Young, DC, Chris Connolly, LBPS Founder Next, HTGS Guest, The Other Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Stitch Kitten, Amby Rose, Janice G, Lily, Rachel B, Jack Burton, and the Pork Chop Express. We have Mirror Mirror on the Wall, I'm the Prettiest Worm of All, Papa Squatch, Jesse Wilkins, the Murder Correspondent. <laughs> well done. Uh, Jake V, Rob's an Incubus, and Dave's the Succubus, Steph A. Yikes. Yikes. For, uh, if you join on Patreon, you can see that exclusive video. We also have Loving It. It's not what you think. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to go to the Ghost Pirate Mafia, where we have Cold Warrior. Welcome in our brand new Patreon. Thank you so much for being a member. We have Rob's fish lips. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. No one thinks that. We have McTibble's Masturbatory Bacon House from Huska, Ohio. I'm sorry, from Huska, Huska. Ohio. D from H-Town. Dave, how do you say this one? Meta. Uh, meta Oos. Meta Oos. Sarah B, Dominica. We have Queen Chan's Revenge, Angel F, Monster Mom 04, Reed M, Lacey, Shannon K, Allie, Dark Snark. Why does Rob look like a connoisseur of Burger King chicken fries and pineapple pizza? (laughs) True pineapple pizza. What are we doing here? Megan S, Morgan S, Ghosts. Yay. Mark (laughs) Twain and the Haunted Great, Julie S, Sharon V, Wayne C, Kelly C, Killer Hamper, Hardwood, Mutant, Frog Pie. Yum. Thank you, Nancy. I'm confused. Crystal, Crystal Quinn, Aaron A, Mina H, Colby, Daddy Rob's allegedly missing sexy frog suit. Alicia E, Thick Boy Freddy, allegedly yeeting the shit out of that baby like mankind in hell in a cell. Oh, that was a sad story that you made a joke out of. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Thick Boy Freddy. Nightmare on Pork Street. We have Rob's Goose Nipples, Whip Wicked Shitties, Sam from the Paul, Joe R., Paul from St. Louis, Al Capone, Huggy Bear. We have, we have, we have, we have Kermit, the Rob Destroyer of Dishwashers. I don't know if my dishwasher is ever going to recover after this episode. We have Solar Flare, Mariah M., Kira Lee J., Anthony, Anthony, I don't know what Jesse gets paid, but it isn't enough tea. 
I agree, Anthony. Thank you. We have zero dollars. The, no, the answer is zero dollars. We haven't taken, <laughs> taken a single fucking paycheck from Hunt Down Ghost Stories. It's crushing my soul. But we're going to Texas. All right. We have the Gnome King. We have Brandon W. Hooper the Hellhound, psychiatrist discrediting Rob and Bubble Rob the lying piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> right bubble rub it wasn't me i was so confused you were too busy leaving all the cabinet doors open in the kitchen uh, yeah i do that often uh paranormal portal brent says uh minnesotan and we love to whip shitties he knows he knows about that we were so taken aback by that by that comment we didn't know such a good time being had in minnesota i bet ron meshkusher whips shitties all, all the time just uh, in and out of the courtroom oh, yeah <laughs> On a scooter, kitties. <laughs> I love that. Definitely wearing sunglasses. Anyways, uh, that will pretty much do it for this episode. Brand new side content coming to you on Friday. I'm excited about it. It should be interesting. So I, I don't think we're going to give any details away. We'll leave it as a surprise, but it will be something new. And then something you new. heard it here. Watch the gate if you want to join in on our horror movie review and be up to date on that. And we will. Uh, get more into it as time goes on but thank you so much join us on patreon and one dollar a month will get you on youtube thanks again to pop squatch for gifting so many memberships on youtube absolute legend and uh, i think that'll do it see you next week peace